Hi, and welcome to Calm Cash. I'm your host, Ben Jackson. You've probably heard the quote, laughter is the best medicine. That seems like a nice sentiment and something that can't possibly be true. But it turns out that laughter is an essential part of our physical health and mental health, and something we shouldn't ignore. And while modern science is proving this with research and data, people as far back as the 1300s knew the importance of humor and health. Henry de Monteville, a French surgeon, helped aid recovery from surgeries by prescribing humor therapy. Let the surgeon take care to regulate the whole regimen of the patient's life for joy and happiness, allowing his relatives and special friends to cheer him and by having someone tell him jokes. That's what he wrote in the 1300s. And that sounds pretty good to me. So today, let's talk about the importance of laughter. And I'll prove to you that is truly the best medicine and something we desperately need in 2020. I never expected there to be so much to learn about the history, physiology, and psychology of laughter. It seems like something that's so simple. Something funny happens and we laugh, right? But it's a lot more complicated than that. And because of the events of 2020, laughter is in short supply and more important than ever. Laughter is one of the most fundamental ways we connect. Humans start developing a sense of humor as early as six weeks old, when babies begin to laugh and smile in response to stimuli. Scientists have been studying laughter for years, and their research has led to a better understanding of our human psychology, ranging from the developmental underpinnings of language to the neuroscience of social perception. Laughter is universal across human cultures, making it one of the few ways we connect across language barriers, and it even exists in some form in rats and chimps. So laughter is important not just for people, but other animals too, as a way to connect and thrive. The pandemic has largely turned our worlds into a virtual, isolated form of existence. Millions of people are working from home instead of going into an office, and we're limiting our interactions with family and friends. And in some cases, we're cutting out those in-person connections altogether. This new normal introduces a problem technology can't fix, no matter how many Zoom calls we have. The problem is us, specifically the fact that we haven't evolved socially or even neurologically to the point where we can handle much isolation. So much of our well-being, and by extension what makes us productive, is predicated on physical proximity, and that that the removal of that proximity for any period of time can be severely damaging to our physical and mental health. One critical casualty of social distancing is laughter. Normally, people laugh about 18 times per day. And before all this mess, 97% of that time we're laughing, we're with other people. And we're 30 times more likely to laugh with others than we are to laugh alone by ourselves. So think about it. When was the last time you had a funny thought alone and laughed at it out loud? Sure, it probably has happened before, but it's pretty rare, no matter how funny you are. Now, think a little bit more. How often when you laugh and your friends laugh at something, is that something actually funny? It may surprise you, but research shows that 80% of what people laugh at is really not that funny. I see this every day at my house. My three-year-old and almost five-month-old 
just stare at each other and start laughing. They both laugh, and there is absolutely nothing funny actually happening. But boy, is that laughter infectious. And next thing you know, my wife and I are smiling and laughing too because these two clowns can't get enough of each other. So why do people laugh? We laugh because others laugh. We laugh in order to laugh with others. Just as everyone starts yawning when just one person yawns, most people can't help but laugh when those around them do. Robert Provine is a retired professor who studied laughter, and he writes, The necessary stimulus for laughter is not a joke, but another person. This led me down another weird rabbit hole this week, the history of laugh tracks on TV shows. Those laugh tracks actually have a purpose, and a psychological one at that. The laugh track has been a standard part of comedy almost from the birth of television. CBS sound engineer Charlie Douglas hated dealing with the inappropriate laughter of live audiences, so in 1950, he started recording his own laugh tracks. These early laugh tracks were intended to help people sitting at home feel like they were in a more social situation, like sitting in a crowded theater. And Douglas even recorded varying types of laughter, including big laughs and small chuckles, as well as different mixtures of laughter from men, women, and children. In doing so, Douglas picked up on one of the qualities of laughter that's now so interesting to researchers. A simple ha-ha-ha communicates an incredible amount of socially relevant information. For example, a massive international study conducted in 2016 found that across the globe, people are able to pick up on the same subtle social cues from laughter. Samples of laughter were collected from pairs of English-speaking college students, some friends and some strangers, recorded in a lab at the University of California at Santa Cruz. A team made up of more than 30 scientists, some anthropologists, some psychologists and biologists, then played those audio snippets of this laughter to about a thousand listeners from 24 diverse societies spanning six continents, from indigenous tribes in New Guinea to urban working class people in large cities in India and Europe. Participants were then asked whether they thought the two people laughing were friends or strangers. On average, the results were remarkably consistent across the 24 cultures. People's guesses about the relationship between the laughers were pretty great, especially considering they were only using the sounds of laughter and no other social information to make their guesses. Laughing in response to other people laughing is not just a behavioral phenomenon. There's a physiological reaction too. When we laugh, our body releases two key chemicals. First, our pituitary gland releases endorphins into our blood where they make their way into the brain and spine. Endorphins are polypeptides that interact with opioid receptors in the brain to help relieve pain and trigger feelings of pleasure. In fact, studies show that people can endure 15% more pain simply by laughing for a few minutes beforehand. Second, when we laugh, our brain releases dopamine, a neurotransmitter that creates a sense of euphoria. Dopamine can enhance learning, motivation, and attention. In fact, the overall health benefits of laughter and the neurochemicals involved include improved immune functioning, stress relief, increased tolerance for pain, improved cardiovascular health, reduced anxiety, a sense of safety, and improved mood. 
Laughter is also associated with higher motivation and productivity at work, which brings us back to COVID-19. The isolation we've imposed on ourselves to combat the pandemic is severely curtailing social interaction, leading to decreased laughter and a subsequent reduction in beneficial chemicals that our bodies need. To make matters worse, the associated stress and fear we're experiencing alone is pushing our biochemicals in the wrong direction. When we are under threat, danger, or stress, our body releases cortisol, a hormone produced in the adrenal glands on top of each kidney, and it goes into the bloodstream. Most cells within the body have cortisol receptors, so its effects are widespread. Too much cortisol can result in weight gain, headaches, irritability, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, and high blood pressure. So we've got to bring the laughter back or keep it going to give ourselves the physical and mental boost we so desperately need right now. How do we do it? It doesn't mean you have to become a stand-up comedian. Just put in a little effort and maybe use some technology to help us get off to a good start. Here are four ways you can bridge the laughter gap for yourself, your friends, and your family, and in doing so, influence the body and brain chemistry to help others laugh more and stress less. First, we've got to slow down. I know that I've been overwhelmed by all the things going on this year and trying to balance work and life. I've talked to many people who feel the same way. Many of us try to do more to accommodate the chaos by speeding up and going faster. Even before the pandemic hit, life just keeps getting faster and faster, with technology being a key driver of the constantly connected, information-at-warp-speed life of today. It makes genuine connections hard, and I think what we need to do is actually slow down. In these moments of taking a pause, we need to reconnect with people, ask how they are, find common ground, and get in a laugh. A Harvard Business Review article recommended the same thing for work meetings, too. Slow down to start your virtual meetings and spend some time connecting, smiling, and laughing together. Second, crack yourself up first. You need to start your own chemistry first ahead of any interaction or meeting if we're trying to all laugh more. It's easier to keep laughter and its neurochemicals going than it is to start cold in front of all the faces on your Zoom page. Ideally, get yourself laughing even just for a few seconds in advance. I do this by watching some videos or shows that no matter how many times I see it, they just crack me up. What are some examples for me? Uh, well, the Office episode, The Dinner Party, uh, Season 4, Episode 9, and The Surplus, Season 5, Episode 10. Uh, the Seinfeld episode called The Hamptons, featuring George's famous shrinkage episode, Season 5, Episode 21. And basically any Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, but especially the episode called The Surrogate, Season 4, Episode 5. I'm sure you have some of these things too, so save them on your YouTube or your Netflix and get your laughs going first. Number three, play like a kid. Kids are silly and fun and have no filters and generally are pretty great. We're blessed to have two amazing, funny little guys who make it hard not to laugh and smile. But not everyone has or likes toddlers, but we can still channel them to make ourselves happy and laugh. The benefits of play have been widely studied, and it's why companies like Google have invested in ways for Googlers to play while on campus. Play helps you manage stress, improves brain function, boosts creativity, and makes us laugh, getting all those benefits too that we talked about earlier. So skip, 
run with abandon, dance like a weirdo, make silly faces, and just in general, don't take yourself too seriously. Things are hard enough as they are. And fourth and last, get the video working. Even though face-to-face, in-person communication is best, that's tough right now. And still, humans are amazingly good at reading both visual and auditory clues and cues when it comes to laughter. The more channels you can give them to give and read cues, the better. For that reason, make sure that you're maximizing your interactions via video, because that will increase the cue flow for laughter. I've noticed that as we get further into the virtual working, that fewer people are sharing their video. That same thing is happening with my non-work connections that were initially video-based, but are now more and more phone calls or just emails. It's a great time to recommit to using video and allowing ourselves the chance to make eye contact, see the smiles, and get in a laugh. One day, this will all be over. We will find a vaccine for the coronavirus, and we'll be able to get back to more natural social interactions. But it's very likely that even after this crisis is over, more people will work more often from home, alone or socializing less, which means the laughter issue is here to stay. Because no matter how much better the tech gets, social behavior and neurochemistry evolve over thousands of years. And since that pace is unlikely to accelerate suddenly over the next 2, 20, or even 200 years, we all are going to have to get good at making laughter happen. Stay safe out there, and I'll see you next week.